Hey everyone, and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael, and I'm here with Andre, and on today's episode, we chat about 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We hope you enjoy the conversation. What's up, man? How's everything going? Just dealing with a very tired you. You just woke up. Okay, I see how it is. (laughs) I thought you were going to say something about your iPad or your new cat or something, but no, it's okay. I guess me being tired is, is a big issue. It is a big issue. I'm just kidding. No, it's it's doing. I'm doing well. Uh, I actually bowled. I think I bowled my highest bowling round ever last night, or round, whatever it's called. But I bowled a 169, and I'm not saying that's good, but it was decent, and I'll take it. How many strikes did you get, if any at all? I, I, I think, I think I, one. You've had to have had at least a few. I think I had three that round, but I'm not positive. I could have been wrong about that. I definitely had two in a row at one point, but I think I had three overall. But I could be wrong. Six or seven more to go, and you can maybe be maybe a pro. Yeah, well, somebody bowling with us had he used to bowl like he had his own bowling ball, and uh, I have to say he was he was very he was very good. Dang, one sixty nine, and you didn't even win. That just shows you. <laughs> anyway, you ready to jump into some Second Corinthians? I am because uh, we have with a couple other friends. We have a. Uh, uh, we're going into Revelation 2 and 3 later. So actually not later, in 26 minutes. So yeah, let's jump in. All right, so last week we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which was about pretty much the same topic, which was an encouragement to give generously. There's these churches in Macedonia and uh, who have been an encouragement to uh, who Paul's writing to, the church at Corinth. And then he's talking about needing to give to this collection at Jerusalem, and he spends a lot of time in chapter 8 talking about that. And we finished up talking about Titus and uh, an encouragement to give and how this giving would be proof of their love for God. That's verse 24 of chapter 8. And so getting into chapter 9, we kind of uh, see very similar themes. In fact, we could almost combine these two into one episode. But Andre, let's, uh, let's get going right into chapter 9. So what do you see or want to talk about first? Yeah, so I think that, you know, chapter eight, like you said, kind of the same themes. And I think like the the chapter eight was kind of like Paul trying to nudge them in the right direction and give them some just like overarching ideas of, of why this might be a good idea. And then chapter nine is kind of like more of the practical side of it, especially in, in verses uh, six to the end, six to 15. And then in verses one through five, which we're about to jump into, he kind of gives a a more practical, like in the moment, not like overarching reasoning, but just right now, like, why is this necessary for you to do this? What would kind of be the repercussions of you, of them falling short in this uh, right now? So that's kind of how I see it. This is more of a uh, focused in view and then kind of uh, unfocused a little bit and overall reasoning, practical um, application of why Paul is, is nudging them or encouraging them to, to give And we're going to get a little bit into uh, cheerful giving, which is a a common theme I think we've all heard of uh, at church or just throughout our lives. Yeah, it's good. And so I'll just kind of get us going into the first few verses. And the ESV starts out now. It is superfluous. And, you know, maybe you're reading that and it just sounds a little confusing, a little technical. I mean, just check out the NIV, NLT, whatever, a different translation. NIV says there's no need for me to write to you about this service Uh, to the Lord's people. He's saying superfluous means unnecessary, basically. So, like, it's unnecessary for me to keep writing to you about this. And why is it unnecessary? Well, he expresses confidence that they're going to complete this work. And he knows Titus is going to them. 
And it's not like the collection he hasn't written about it before. He also wrote about it in 1 Corinthians. So he doesn't feel the need to continue writing about this. But I love verses, the verse 2. He talks about the their zeal that has uh, stirred up the people of God. And I just think that that's so true. Like, you know, you read biographies of saints in history or you read uh, or you listen to your pastor today or other brothers and sisters in the gospel and like zeal for the kingdom, like encourages and pushes others as well. And that's what's happening for them. And he says he's sending them brothers. I mean, we've seen this in chapter eight uh, and he doesn't want like his word to be proven empty. He wants them to complete the work that they've said they'll do, that they'll be generous uh, with the resources God has entrusted to them. And it's, 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 Honestly, it was funny because he's saying, you know, I don't want to belabor this anymore. You guys already know what you need to do. But just so you know, this other place, which I don't even want to try to pronounce, but I think it's Akia, 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 there we go. Akia, but I think this was the first episode. Let me go back to chapter one real quick, real quick, real quick. Here we go. In chapter one, uh, Paul writes to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. And I read that verse to start us off this season. And Andre said, thank gosh, you read that because if I had, I might've said Achia or something. So you've progressed from Achia. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing better. I'm doing better. Anyway, he's basically saying like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep telling you guys this, but you know, I basically have been telling people that you guys are on top of this. So if you're not on top of this, it's going to look really bad on you. It's going to look really bad on me. Uh, he's, you know, he says, uh, I don't want to be proven empty in this matter. Uh, just boasting that that all of them have have been on top of their game. And in reality, uh, they're not. And in chapter eight, we kind of saw a little bit of that, how he's saying, uh, you started this and you were, you had this zeal. I don't really know the, the word used in, in chapter eight, but uh, they had this, um, this gift that in, in the earlier times they were like doing this um very like wholeheartedly and then they, they kind of like started like dying down and he was like saying like no don't like like complete uh the work that, that you've started and so now he's kind of like reminding them of that again like like don't drop the ball here or else you're gonna look bad and i'm gonna look bad and the the church who's expecting this gift is gonna look um, to us and kind of wonder what happened. And then also it's going to look bad on God too. So it's kind of this whole, like everyone's kind of involved now. Can't, can't drop the ball now. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that, I mean, I think the end of the, uh, the first section is very interesting because he's trying, he's basically saying, uh, they want to arrange in advance this gift and they want it to be a willing gift and actually can be translated blessing because not just is it a blessing from the people, but it's like God's blessing to uh, the Christians in Jerusalem. And so just getting into this next section, he begins to use farming analogies, which we're going to kind of see later in the chapter as well. But he says in verse six, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so, I mean, this is just a question like, how are you sowing? It's not like a, it's not so much as a, what is the total amount quantitatively, but what is it like relative to your heart and what is it relative to what you have? Like 
if you're only sowing a little bit of what you can give to God, like you're not going to see much. But if we're spending all of our resources, all of our time, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, then that's going to reap fruit that, that we can't even imagine. I mean, I was just reading Calvin this morning and Calvin was talking about like every man can see that he's created by God. And how can one, when realizing and beholding and thinking about God, how can one not just recognize that to not give our entire lives and thoughts to God is wicked and to and that we owe God everything. And so that's that's I mean that's basically what he's saying if we're applying it to to cheerful giving is like behold God and like we need to like invest a lot because it's not it's not so much you're giving your items away, you're investing them in something that's going to that's going to sow bountifully. And I just want to make a you know one quick uh, funny comment. You know, one of the good things about Zoom is that I can just mute myself and sneeze or cough without having to edit it out. Oh, let's uh, go. So I, just, I just muted myself and had such a such a nice sneeze. But anyway, yeah, well, a I, nice I, sneeze. I, yeah, you ever you ever just have a nice sneeze? You know, like feel it coming and then it just clears you up, wakes you up almost. I'm not sure. All I know is the nicest sneezes are the ones I don't have to edit out, so I'm grateful. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I, this this kind of in a in a way reminded me of when we talked about um, the theology one hundred and one episode. I think it was where you where you made this point that was like, uh, you know, everyone has a theology. It's either good theology or bad theology. But there's no there's there's uh there's not like this like oh like no theology right. This yeah, kind exactly. of reminded me of that a little bit because he's like the point is this like let me make it as clear as possible, and he says you either you so sparingly or you sow uh, bountifully. But then it says in verse seven, each one must, must give as he has decided in his heart. So he's, he's like saying like, like there's like this decision you have to make kind of, and it's from the heart and, it, and he's urging them to do it uh, willingly and to do it, you know, because they want to, because like in their heart uh, they feel urged to, but he's, he's saying like, you're either going to decide to do this or you're going to decide to not do this. But uh, in the end, uh, what you sow and what you reap are going to be tied hand in hand. Uh, so there, there's, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to give a, a penny and you could have given like a lot, then that, that's, that's what you're going to reap, right? Like the, what you reap is, is directly tied to what you sow. So it, it kind of reminded me of that uh, where it's like, there's not really like this, like in between game. It's, it's really like what's in the heart needs to be, needs to come out uh, into, into what, what, what your actions actually are when it comes to um, giving and, I like how how Paul says uh, further on in verse seven that God loves a cheerful giver. So he's not saying, you know, just give all that, like potentially like all that, like let's say that someone just gives all that they have, but they're not cheerful about it. Uh, Paul kind of talks about how that kind of just, you know, it, it kind of cancels itself out, right? So God wants us to to give uh, cheerfully, give from the heart, and not not uh, not just to to try to get something back in return. That's so good. And I just want to do a little bit. Andre got into verse seven and that's where I want to be. And uh, I want to do a little bit of Bible history. So uh, but before Jesus' time, pretty sure. Yeah, before Jesus' time by a bit, there was created this thing that's abbreviated in a lot of books, LXX. You may have read that before. But it's called the Septuagint, which is they took the Hebrew Old Testament and they translated it into Greek for Greek readers. And so often when Bible or uh, when the authors of the New Testament are quoting the Old Testament, they're not quoting the Hebrew text. They're often quoting the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. 
And here we get something interesting is that's not included typically in Proverbs 22 translations, but exists in the Proverbs 22 Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament is in Proverbs 22 verse 8. Uh, we have God loves a cheerful and liberal man, but shall fully prove the folly of his works. Liberal in the sense of generosity and looseness with resource and resources. And so God loves this cheerful man. And Paul quotes this, that, that God loves a cheerful giver. And I think that the problem here is that some people take this verse and they say, well, I feel a little reluctant and certainly not cheerful, so I'm not going to give more. I'm not going to give because, like, I don't feel cheerful with it. Well, the text isn't going against other scriptures to surrender to God. Like, if our flesh is the reason we're not giving then that's not then that's not in that's in complete opposition to being a cheerful giver in the sense that like that's ser- it's serving as an MRI like if we don't have a cheerful uh, cheerful heart when giving like that should alert us to why am I not feeling that way about giving my resources to the kingdom and that sort of thing so I think we can also use this verse not only as like a uh, Christians who know how God values resources are cheerful givers but also like as an MRI are we cheerful with our giving and if not. Why not? So I think that's also uh, in the background as well. And one thing that also stands out to me when, when thinking about, um, you know, a cheerful giver and kind of what Paul is talking about here uh, and, and kind of going to get into uh, in 10 through 15, but, um, you know, God loves a cheerful giver and that's kind of a, um, a representation of, of you know God's own heart too towards us and and how He gives cheerfully to us and wants to give us um, you know good gifts and wants to give us things that we can steward over and we and we can then um, provide that same uh, you know level of of um, of giving and of you know just helping others because uh, God has given freely and, and given cheerfully to us then we should kind of do the same same to others. Um, which is kind of a, a very, uh, I think, important thing to think about. Um, it's one of the, the main things that I, that I pulled out of, of the commentary that I was reading out of to kind of prepare for this a little bit, but just kind of um, emulating, uh, you know, how Jesus gave to us when, when we're giving to others who, who may be in need or who may uh, need something or a, a resource or, or some kind of thing that that we possess and we can we can help them with. Kind of how Paul is urging uh, the Corinthians to give um, freely uh, to uh, those Christians in Jerusalem. Man, that's so good. That's really good. And so it's very fascinating. I just think that he follows up cheerful giving with God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that you might be sufficient and you might be able to give like i mean we think of the one of the most famous verses in the entire book is when jesus says in chapter 12 verse 9 uh he talks about how his power is made perfect in weakness his grace is sufficient for paul and this is the same thing like god's grace is sufficient so that they might be able to complete every good work and the good work includes giving so he quotes psalm 112 uh, about how the righteous trusts in the lord and gives to the poor and uh, how the Lord's righteousness endures. And then he goes back to farming again. And uh, we see that he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So righteousness, point one, has a harvest. And then point two is that it's God, like God is the one who is providing. God is the one who is multiplying. 
And this is kind of going back to the Old Testament, but we see all the time that like God is the one that Israel's trusting in to provide their food for them. I mean, you think of Exodus or Numbers and, and so forth. And the same thing here, like it's not that Paul is just asking them to like come up with a bunch of money for them to give. He's saying God is providing it to you so that you can give. Like God is the provider of what we give. So we give it back to him. And, you know, I, when I think of, of these kind of these few verses here, uh, verse eight and then verse 10, and how, how they kind of go together with other parts of scripture I can think of. And, you know, you think of, of times when, when people have given something that seems like monetarily very little and, you know, and Christ uh, says, you know, this, you know, this person's given you know, so much above their means that it's so much better um, and so much more, you know, valuable how, how cheerful they are in their giving. And just like thinking um, how, uh, God views like the resources he gives, he gives to us and how there's never really like this um, idea. And I don't think that what it's going for here is like, oh, if you give a lot, then God's just going to, he's going to give you even more money and you're going to become so rich that you can just give uh, even more to other people. But I think that more practically uh, what it's, what it's saying here is that, you know, at least like personally, like I've volunteered, for example, with, with churches who, which are like huge that have uh, like abounding resources and abounding amounts of funds and uh, people who are going to volunteer and, and all these things. And I've also volunteered with churches um, who might have like a hundred or 150 or 200 members and maybe have far less resources and far less uh, uh, monetary funds for, uh, you know, um, missions in the, in the community or that kind of thing, or for um, student uh, ministries or, or whatever it is. So I've kind of experienced both sides, but I think that when you have this attitude of, of being cheerful and, and giving grace to others and, and, and using uh, your monetary <clears throat> resources and other resources uh, for God's kingdom, then I've really seen firsthand how, you know, those funds can really just spread and really just be like stretched, you could say, and, and you could like see this multitude of, of, of people coming uh, to God uh, based on, based on this ministry you're doing, or, uh, you know, you can see that you, you potentially didn't have the funds, but um, you know, you saw the, the multitude of, of things that you were able to provide for people and that kind of thing. And I think what he's, what, what's being said here is really more than anything that, you know, even if resources are small, if you give with this attitude and you give with this heart, then God's going to, going to see, you know, good works uh, um, abound from you. Um, God's going to make sure that, you know, you're able to, to, to multiply and to sow. Um, and it says in, in verse 10 to increase the harvest in your righteousness. Um, I think that, you know, it's the attitude really a lot of times that will influence the results. And I don't think it's really saying that by giving, we're going to be able to have more resources and that's going to influence our results because ultimately it's, it's God who, who has, um, who's going to, who's going to be the one who, who, who calls people to him. And, and we're just that, that conduit. So it's really the attitude that's going to allow God to do so much more through us, not um, just, you know, him giving us more resources as some kind of prize for us uh, doing what's right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so we see at the end of verse 10 that this, there's a harvest of their righteousness. They'll be enriched in every way in verse 11 to be generous. 
And so it through them, it's going to produce thanksgiving to God. And I love how this theme is continued into verse 12 because we get a connection back to earlier in the book. I'm just going to read verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So the generosity doesn't terminate on the people. It overflows in thanksgiving to God. And I really was just thinking the entire time I was reading that verse, even the first time when, when I opened this to study this week for this episode was back in verse or not verse back in chapter four verses 13 to 15 he talks about how like they have the faith so they speak knowing that he who raised the lord jesus will raise us and then he says in verse 15 of chapter four it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of god so it's not just for their material gain it's for thanksgiving to god but thanksgiving to god is glory to god and so we bring glory to god when we thank god and we praise god for what he's doing and so it's the same thing here not with salvation but with an implication of salvation you're saved thanksgiving to god glory to god here generous amongst the people of god leads to thanksgiving to god leads to glory to god kind of the same pattern here in verse 12 uh, but i'll let you kind of uh carry us uh towards the end of the chapter no it, it and what i what i really liked about uh this section here kind of as a whole is is kind of you know the just paul's providing them with you know if you have this attitude with your giving. If you give cheerfully, give from the heart, then here are the here are three things that are going to come of that. Uh, that's going to be beneficial for the kingdom, right? And he's saying that you know them giving in this way is going to um, in help in, to enrich them. Also, provide for the needs of of another people, right? Those who who are who are poor, uh, who need. Um, of these resources, in, in this case, those in Jerusalem. And then also, uh, more importantly, he's saying this is going to cause uh, the people who receive this gift uh, to glorify God. And, you know, the reason being that, you know, they got this great gift and now they're going to thank God and, and glorify God because of it. Um, so he's saying, you know, th like why this is necessary for the, the moving forward of, of the kingdom. And uh, they need to help their brothers who need, who need the help um, this is kind of an inward inspection of their own hearts, like Michael has been saying, and then also so that they can glorify God together and kind of building this relationship together. Yeah, it's so good. My only other point would just be that it's interesting in verse 14, they're going to long and pray for them. So the generosity leads to intercessory prayer. They're praying amongst each other. And it's kind of interesting. I forgot to mention this earlier, but the relationships between these different people. So in Corinth, lots of Gentile Christians, not Jewish, but in Jerusalem, obviously lots of Jewish people. And so uh, this generosity could increase fellowship between Gentile and Jewish Christians, which would be super important, especially in a day when it felt like Jews were a different sect of society. And a lot of Jews who became Christians were still wondering how Gentiles exactly related to the people of God, which, G which Paul spends a lot of time talking about in the book of Romans, book of Galatians, uh, those letters. But it is increasing the fellowship between those two. Um, but I don't have anything else to say other than thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, which can be said of us and which Paul says in verse 15. And, uh, in a few minutes, we're about to jump into revelation, which I'm also thankful for. Not on the podcast, uh, just as a separate, separate thing, uh, with a couple friends, but hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, and like I've been saying on the past few episodes, if you enjoyed this episode, send it to a friend, check us out on Instagram at radical Normal pod and send us some Q and a questions. Uh, see you guys next week.